time for Lickin' On Lending. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you with us. Welcome to Lickin' On Lending, a weekly mortgage market update providing up-to-the-minute information on interest rates, loan programs, and hot industry news, all related to the mortgage industry. Brought to you by Transformational Mortgage Solutions. To participate in today's program, our guest call in line is 646 716 4972. Now, here's your host of Lickin' On Lending, David Lickin'. Let's begin. Welcome, everybody. Good to have you back to the podcast. And thank you so much for sharing this with so many. We have become one of the most listened to podcasts in the mortgage space, and it's because of what you have done to share it with others and your colleagues. So I want to say a big thank you to you for being here and for sharing this podcast. It's Monday, November 16th of 2020. This podcast is created by mortgage professionals. It is for mortgage professionals, and we're so grateful to have you as our listener. Our commitment is to bring you timely information in an audio format that you can listen to anytime and anywhere. I'm really excited today for our hot topic. We're continuing down the series of what's going on with improving and increasing productivity of our underwriters. We're all paying them a lot more money these days. So are we getting all that we can for this increased investment? We're going to have Frank Poise coming on. He's Managing Director of Product Development for Black Knight. He's here to talk about the digital mortgage user experience, the need to go hand-in-hand and improving underwriting, creating satisfied customers and borrowers, and uh, they've got some great tools. So we're really looking forward to having Frank on, so be sure to stay tuned to the Hot Topic segment. And uh, you'll be very pleased that you did. I want to say a special thank you to the Industry Syndicate. We're so glad to be part of that. Industrysyndicate.com, as well as Mortgage Media for all the latest podcasts. Also, Indicom has partnered with a company called Form Free to introduce their business health check. And so be sure to check all of that out. Go to their website. Press release is on our website. You can learn more about that. Also, a special thank you to our sponsors, starting with the Mortgage Bankers Association of America. So be sure to get Mortgage Action Alliance app to your device. It's so important that you have that. By the way, you do not need to be a member of the NBA to have your voice heard. Of course, you should be a member of the NBA. tell that all the time. So hope you'll be signing up to become a member if you're not. Also, to Finastra, who's a mortgage bot solution product. We're grateful to have them as a sponsor. They do a great job out there. Uh, I just saw no to Finastra. They had a major announcement coming out that Christian Investors Financial selected Finastra. They're providing further technology solutions. So congratulations on that major sale. We also want to say thank you to Lenders One and the Mortgage Collaborative for very Solid, excellent two co-ops. And by the way, Black Knight is a part of both of these organizations. And I get to see our friends at Black Knight at every one of these. You need to look into these two co-ops. Letters One, Mortgage Collaborative. They create meaningful connections between lenders and vendors, as well as really talking about what's going on. We're going to have Tom Gallucci on with the Mortgage Collaborative talking here soon. And also the Community Mortgage Lenders of America, grateful for them, as well as Indicom and our partnership with Indicom and all that they do. So go back and listen to the podcast we did with them recently, as well as Incelerate. Josh at Incelerate does so much to help create an engaging experience for the borrower, as well as Ainsworth Advisors, as well as AI Assist, Celebrity Home Loans, Innovian. Talking about Innovian, Ted Kramer, got to go check out what those guys do. Probably one of the most impressive business intelligence BI tools out there when it comes to setting prices. You just cannot set prices intelligently in this dynamic world without using a tool like Innovian. Be sure to check it out. 
Also, Knowledge Coop, which is a great training tool, Mobility RE, as well as Modex. Both of these companies help you in your recruiting, finding out what's going on with the fellows. Are they really top producers? Both these companies have the business intelligence tool. A must-have. And I'd recommend you have both of them because they're a nice complement to each other. Also, Velma is a great way of getting your messaging out. We use them constantly, as well as VendorSurf and Vidyard. And also, finally... Special thank you to Alice, Allen, and Matt for their contributions each and every week. Let's get an update from Rob Van Raphorst with this week's MBA Mortgage Minute. Rob? Hi, I'm Rob Van Raphorst. Welcome to the Mortgage Minute and the latest news from the Mortgage Bankers Association. Last Friday, HUD released its annual report on the financial condition of the FHA Mutual Mortgage Insurance Fund. The overall capital ratio increased to 6.1% from 4.84% a year ago. This reflects the impact of significant home price appreciation on the actuarial model and recent risk management initiatives by FHA. While the capital ratio now sits well above its statutory minimum of 2%, FHA did note several concerns. They are the rising delinquencies associated with the COVID-19 pandemic, economic and policy uncertainty, and the additional resources needed for the MIF fund to withstand a stress event similar to that of the Great Recession. Also last week, FHFA announced it would extend GSE origination flexibilities and a temporary policy allowing them to purchase qualified loans in forbearance through December 31st, 2020. The flexibilities include temporary policies related to appraisals, employment verification, and power of attorney, which allow transactions to occur in a safe manner that avoids person-to-person contact whenever possible. The GSE's purchase of early payment forbearance loans, while still subject to price adjustments, has been an important source of liquidity for lenders. That's it for now. Thanks for joining me. They do a great job. And so, Pleased to have a partnership with them as meaningful and deep as we do. Check out again Mortgage Action Alliance. I'll be asking you again. Check it out. Got to have that app. Make sure your voice is heard on the hill. Man, it's so important. Les Parker is here with this week's TM Spotlight and a macro view of the markets. Les? In trade, we must confess that China's getting the best, the best of us. TM Spotlight Soundbite is brought to you by PowerSeller, making hedging easy. Big media, big business. And big tech, they're so big they get their own big, want to surrender to China's economic power, while the middle class loses big time. Powerful elitists think they can tame the dragon and make lots of dinero. The Chinese Communist Party makes a bad trading partner because it wants global power more than big tech. Long term, freedom loses. But near term, China and elitists partner to get an economic boost. Couple it with Trump's pro-jobs policies already in place and inflation wins. Are borrowers getting the best, the best of you? These are my own. Go to TMSpotlight.com to subscribe to my daily newsletter. Les Parker, check out the TM Spotlight and subscribe to Les's newsletter. You can follow it and also subscribe to it. But if you put in the word power, you will then get that newsletter, the paid version, for free. So appreciate that very much. Matt Graham, so good to have you here in the market. The big question, is this the week? The 10-year crosses back <laughs> percent mark. So good to have you here, Matt. By the way, I tell everybody that Matt has got some of the greatest technology from where the markets are at. It has mbslive.net. Check it out. And uh, thrilled to have you here. What's up? Hey, Dave. How's it going? Oh. Yeah. So 1%, 10-year yields. We haven't gotten there yet. We got very close last week. 
And unlike the previous week, which was defined by politics, last week was really defined by the revelation of Pfizer's vaccine trial results. And I think we had a chance to talk about this in last week's show because the news was out at 6.45 a.m. Eastern time. And uh, those losses didn't get much worse over the next two days. And that was encouraging. And that's the thing that sort of cast some doubt as to where bonds are going next because 10-year yields rose to 0.97 and change, putting them roughly in line with the highs seen back in June. And taken together, this is one of those double tops that technicians might talk about, only it's far too soon to conclude that is what we're seeing because it could fit in terms of that double top viewpoint, but it could also simply be another stop on the way up. Mm -hmm. Why would we continue to go up? I think, again, to reiterate something from last week, and I'm not saying this is what's happening, but if you're going to make a case for it happening, you would say, if we're talking about the bond market, we're talking about traders needing to price in growth and inflation over a 10-year time frame. And while the upcoming year may be pretty rocky for a variety of reasons. What comes after that is anyone's guess. And if we're bringing these vaccines into the mix and saying that they're going to help restore at least some semblance of normalcy, then we have to wonder if a 10-year yield under 1% is too low. Because think about where we were last year before, let's say, the trade war stuff started. And that seems like a world away right now. And then add COVID to that and you know the rest. But anyway, talk a little bit more about that in a second. Last week, again, all about the vaccine reaction and then a little bit of technical support that gave us some hope heading into the weekend. Also heading into the weekend, we had a little bit of trepidation because we knew that Moderna would be announcing their trial results any day now. And it turns out they announced at exactly the same time of day as Pfizer did. So 6.45 a.m. this morning. And I'm personally shocked, Dave. We might have some evidence of supportive overtones, undertones, some kind of tones that are supportive in the bond market. And I think stocks are also telling a somewhat similar story. They're back down to the levels they were before the vaccine news came out. So it does happen from time to time, despite what you may have heard. But I don't really know what to make of this right now. It remains to be seen. I think what we could say is that the trial results suggest things will eventually get a lot better in terms of COVID. We know that. Think of it like planting a tree, and you weren't sure if the tree was going to make it. Now the tree is alive. We can see that, and it looks like it's going to bear fruit by the end of next year, and that's great. Fruit is coming, but that's a year from now. And in the meantime, winter is coming, both literally and figuratively. And if we don't have to worry as much about a vaccine, we can spend a lot more time and energy worrying about what happens between now and next year. So case counts are surging pretty much everywhere. It's not a U.S. thing. It's everywhere. And obviously bad here. It's double the surge we had that scared us so much in July that things could get worse before they get better. And that brings along two big concerns. Number one, what will lockdowns do to the economy between now and whenever this surge abates. So that's immediate, actual, tangible economic damage. And then there is the longer-term concern about what will the permanent effects look like. So we can see that our fruit-bearing tree is going to potentially usher in a, a world where COVID becomes like the measles in terms of incidents. But what's the economy going to look like once that happens? Right. And you hear a lot of speculation about permanent changes. So there's reason to worry, and that worry is maybe helping bonds find their footing. Data this week. Here's what we got. Tomorrow, retail sales is the biggie, and that is forecasted come down a bit from last month's 1.9 to be at 0.5 this month. Home builders have home builder confidence 
85 versus 85 is the expectation, and that is the highest in, I think, 14 years. I have to take a look at all-time high, perhaps, in terms of their survey. And then housing starts building permits expected to stay high, not quite as high as late 2019, but roughly in line with post-COVID highs, which have been stellar. And on Thursday, Philly Fed expected to come down, but remain strong at 22 versus 32.3 previously. No major change expected in jobless claims and existing home sales are expected to come down just a little bit, but from quite stellar levels in the mid six million range. And that's data for the week. Yeah. One of the things I love about your website is how much you have packed into one page. So I have one place I could go. And if I want to get up those stories, like for example, the CNBC story that you released at 12, 11 Eastern time talking about the vaccine, it's all right here. So when a story pops up, I can click on it and look at it. There's so many reasons I love this service. It's got all the information you need to have to keep on top of things. You got get a flavor in the MBS live chat, see what people are saying, what's happening, but it's all packed into one really great screen. So if there's one screen you want to have, get this service, folks. It is really great. So, Don't forget you're looking on lending discount. Oh, yeah. A coupon code screen and you type in LOL and that'll double your free time and streamline the process. No credit card needed or anything like that. But they should put their credit card in there and just sign up for it. Yes. Appreciate you so much, friend. Will, will do. You too, Dave. All right, friend. Alice Alvey is here. Alice Alvey is CMB, Vice President of Education Training, and one of the bright spots in a very bright company. Alice, good to have you here with this week's legislative update. What you got? Hi, Dave. Hi, everybody. I was just going to keep things short so we can get to our big discussion with our special guest today. And I wanted to just elaborate for folks on what Rob Van Ritt had just reported on, and that was the mutual mortgage insurance fund capital ratio being reported for this year at 6.1%. Usually, if you're in sales, you go, wow, 6.1%, and it only needs to be at two. When are premiums going to go down? A lot of times in sales, you get super excited when the fund gets flush with cash because you go, okay, can FHA now take a look at this and consider reducing mortgage insurance premiums? And I can give you a very emphatic, stop thinking like that, it isn't going to happen. Because what we're really looking at is even though that number is very high, and as MBA reported, it hasn't been this high since 2007, think about what happened after 2007, right? If you're from Mm -hmm. Detroit, it all started in 2005, but you get the drift. Right after (laughs) that was the Great Recession. And that capital ratio evaporated quickly for FHA. And right now we have a lot of things on the horizon. We know that forbearances are high. We also know that our serious delinquency rate right now is sitting at over 11.5%. And when you took a two-year look back between 2009 back to 2007, it was hitting 12 percent and higher. So we are already hitting those delinquency rates without the benefit of a look back and seriously delinquent, I should say. So we're already seeing that serious delinquency rate being extremely high, knowing that going forward, it's going to continue to rise. Uh, Crisis will continue. We'll have to watch very carefully. So don't expect any change in mortgage insurance premiums. The fund, when they do these numbers, is very much dependent on the house prices. And so I think Rob might have mentioned this, but in the MBA summary, they let you know that all it takes is a 1% change in their projections in house price appreciation 
And this capital ratio dropped very quickly down to below 5%. And it'll keep dropping even faster with different types of stress testing that would happen to house prices. So some markets are good, but we know we just have to be cautious. It sounds like a good news piece, but there's definitely a black cloud looming right next to it that we're watching very closely. So that's my report for today, Dave. I'll kick it back to you. Good. Got to give a shout out to a mutual friend, David Lord. He is listening to the podcast today. And David is such a good guy, but you've introduced me to so many wonderful people. And I value our friendship, Alice, and all of the quality people up in your area that are in the mortgage industry making such a huge contribution. If he's listening to us, he is a great consultant. He worked with us on a couple projects and that was great. So glad he's listening. Glad he's doing well. He is doing well. So good. Appreciate it, Alice. Let's get over to Alan Pollock. He's here with us with this week's weekly tech update. What you have for us, Alan? Hey there. Good afternoon. And all kinds of fun stuff. We're going to finally get to what to do with the rest of this year as well. First, David, ICE Mortgage Technology. That's a name we need to get more familiar with. They just released version 20.2. That's Ellie Mae, by the way. So Ellie Mae version 20.2. And the reason I mention this is because, one, it's very interesting to hear the name ICE Mortgage Technology. I think throughout 2021, we're going to hear a lot of that. And this release focuses on what it should be, most of us are hoping, which is all more automation, efficient and collaborative workflows and support of their brand new hybrid e-close platform. Those are their words. But very interesting. We need this automation right now. We need these efficient workflows. We've talked the talk and walked the walk, right? All these years of talking about all the AI and all the great machine learning we've done, now's the time to make all these things work. So if you're an Ellie May, User, you want to check that out. IPOs, David, valuations, how about 12 to $15 billion in valuation? I'd like a small percentage of that. Well, Lone yeah. Depot is going to go for their IPO again. If you remember, they had a false start back in 2015. Yeah. They've got their eyes on that $15 billion valuation. Another big company, so $200 million at a $4 billion valuation is better.com. They just raised another 200 million. If you remember, they launched in 2016. They they said they're going to change the digital mortgage process. They revolutionize it with the pre-approval process being extremely streamlined. They did in January of 2019, about 70 million in their series C. And so they just raised 200 million more, which just shows that audience that they're able to capture the process they're able to implement and the technology platform that they've leveraged to do and continue to expand upon continues to be an integral part of that, the housing market period. So this is really interesting. David, this other company I want to talk about real quick, Brace. We've, we've talked about them in the past. They're servicing technology. With the pandemic, their business just completely boomed. It's super important to be able to better provide customer service when you're dealing with deferments, education to borrowers, how to handle long-term issues like defaults or managing forbearance. Their technology platform does that. They raised $15 million back in March. I mentioned Brace because we're talking about more shutdowns. I'm not. Other people are, but nobody wants these shutdowns, of course, but they will have an impact on people being able to work, customer service, people making their mortgage payments. And so if if you're a lender and you feel like you haven't looked at servicing technology and braces within your realm of technology vendors, you want to take a look at them. So it's B-R-A-C-E.com. David, it's funny. I was watching TV last night and something came on that struck me and it talks about how we didn't choose to accelerate technology and the digital adoption. We were forced to do it based on 2020. 
and we must have agility, we must have empathy, and we didn't do it by chance. Capital One just abandoned their last data center and went completely to the cloud. And wow. I mentioned that because, and I tied the two together because we are now in an environment where we need to be able to be more agile. We need to have more empathy. We can't do that if we're fighting fires all the time and we've got heavy infrastructure and systems. So we have to be smarter in the vendors we choose and the processes we choose. So when you look at what Capital One just did, they've gone completely to the cloud. Not only are there all the right security measures and mechanisms in place, but they've been able to offload the thing that many people hold very close to them, which is their infrastructure, their, their security. And they've been able to find the right partner. And not only does that lower their total cost of ownership of technology and the depreciation of it, but allows them to take that money and redirect it and innovate and hire the right people or reuse those folks. So I mentioned that because it really is just so close to home for our industry. And David, the news was so exciting. I, I do want to quickly cover what to do with the rest of the year if you follow this method or want to. It's called the Moscow method, M-O-S-C-O-W, just like Moscow. And it's four things. It's called must have, should have, could have, and won't have. Most developers all like to take the must have basically means that you must have it. And there's no option. There's no other way to look at it. Should have means it's important, but it's not necessary. You can do without it. So the must-haves are first. Could have means it's desirable, but it's really not necessary. And desire is not as important as we should have it to meet our customer demand, or we must have it to sustain a product or a service. And the last is won't have, which is when it hasn't been agreed by all the critical stakeholders and it has the lowest payback, right? It needs more valuation. It needs more discovery. And a lot of times the won't have is when the, the CEO or sales is tied directly to a development team and they say, I must have this or I need this, right? Those are things that are shot off the bow. And those are things that you won't have because they don't fit into could, should, or must, and they need more validation. So check it out online. It's called the Moscow Method. Be more than happy to answer any email questions you have. You can reach me at Alan, A-L-E-N, at TMS-advisors.com. Moscow Method does work, and you must have this podcast. So thank you for being <laughs> our listener and looking forward to our live segment coming up. Yeah, looking forward to it very much. Looking forward to you participating. You've got someone who's a friend of yours on here. So value your contribution as well as everyone's each and every week. Folks, that wraps up Market Update. Looking forward to having you back to the podcast next week. As we exit, I want to say a special thank you to our sponsors, Black Knight, as well as Finastra, as well as those Community Mortgage Lenders of America, as well as Indicom and Celerate, Ainsworth Advisors, Mobility, RE Modex, and so many others. Thank you so much for listening. Have a great week, everybody. Forward to having you back here next week. Been listening to Lickin on Lending, a weekly mortgage market update with your host David Lickin of Transformational Mortgage Solutions. Join us next week, and thanks for listening.